Welcome to the Elizabeth and Rachel Show. Grooving and shaking, so glad you could make it. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. Time for the ride. You're welcome inside the Elizabeth and Rachel Show. Great show today, so glad you pressed play. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. The show's gonna start. It's cool you took part. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. Elizabeth and Rachel Show. All right. Hey, guys, and welcome. Tonight is going to be a tad different. I am flying solo. Well, semi-solo. We are giving Joey the night off, kind of. I do have an amazing guest with me tonight. If you have listened to the show before, you know I have mentioned some incredible women that I have major girl crushes on. Tonight, we are going to meet one of them, my sweet friend, Rachel Clausen. How are you tonight, Rachel? Great. How are you, Elizabeth? I am doing really good. You know, I have always loved getting to know, getting to give an intro about my friends. Even though I feel I know you, I learned so much. My friend here is a longtime AZ resident. She has her bachelor's in history, a minor in religious studies, a master in education, specifically in secondary education, as well as her teaching certificate. The last six years, she has taught high school, which is scary enough as is, um, in history and government in Tempe, specializing in AP U.S. history and AP government. To be completely honest, I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a result of this, as, or excuse me, as a result of Red for Ed, she is an educational advocate since 2018. She puts up with probably too many random texts from me and most random times asking the most random government and voting questions. This and a wife and mother to three of the most adorable babes in the world. And she has other hobbies, too. We'll talk about those later. She is fearless and always willing to fight for the underdog, my friend, Rachel Clausen. Oh, I do got to tell you, my most favorite memory of you is when we were at girls camp and the other ward was cheating and everyone was looking around and we all knew they were cheating. And you're the only one that's like, boo to the cheaters. Boo. I was like, I love her. She is so cool. You know, I am, I have a thing for fairness and justice and I, I can't sit silent. It doesn't matter how, uh, you know, meaningless it is. I love it. I love it. It's, it's probably where my girl crush with you started. I was like, dude, she is so tough. Like she does not care. She's just going to tell it how it is. Yes. Get it. I love it. I love it. Well, we had talked about the first topic that we kind of wanted to try out is what's happening right now in our in our world specifically in our state schools are reopening in the midst of all of this i know and it it's what's strange is like we're continuing to have the conversations about what school looks like while school is happening and um i mean in education we sort of refer to that as um flying the plane while building it Um, And so that's scary. (laughs) That's really scary. (laughs) You know, I think it's uh, the pandemic is certainly I mean, obviously no one's done this before. So what does school look like? And um, Thursdays, the state of Arizona, we get our updated benchmarks. And so so everybody waits on pins and needles for what those numbers are going to say and whether that means they can move to the next phase of reopening or not. And 
if if that district is is following the benchmarks too. Yeah. So for those that don't know, today is Thursday. So we just got in a handful of new information. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, it's uh the what is the date today? Today is September third. Oh yes. Yeah, I'm lost. <laughs> I've been home way too long, just pregnant and home, and I don't know what day it is. It's Thursday, though, <laughs> September third. We just got in a whole new group of information. That's yeah. kind of blowing people's minds. It blew my mind, at least when I heard it. Yeah, several counties now qualify. They sort of move into the next phase of, of um, all yellows and greens and that sort of thing. And so uh, based off of the, the three benchmarks and what each of those are, if, if people don't know, is, you know, how many cases does that district have per 100,000 people? What's their percent positivity? And then their rate of COVID-like illness. Um, and in this county in, Mar- in Maricopa County, they do that usually based off of the district. Um, the rest of Arizona does it usually based off of the county metrics. Um, and several counties are are moving into the next phase of things. And so we have several districts that are gearing up for full in-person five days a week and other districts hanging back a little bit and moving into a hybrid format and other districts still um doing the distance learning, all virtual things. So it's, it's a little nutty, you know, from one district to another, it it can be entirely different and parents have hard choices to make and teachers have hard choices to make. And I never in my life have I not envied a governing board member more than because they're the ones making these crucial decisions. And, you know, I think that's one of those things that's super important for people to understand. Rachel's a mom and you've got a kiddo that, that, is in school. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not like you've got ideas of what it should be, but have no, nothing invested in this. Like you have, you have a kiddo in school. Yeah. And I, you know, our, our district had asked us whether or not we wanted to keep her remote for the remainder of the semester, or if we were going to be moving her to the hybrid format and it's scary as a parent. You want to make the right choice for your kid. You want to um, you want to help them get the best education they possibly can. And you know, kids thrive off of off of that sort of structure. And so you know that every time you shift it up, that it's going to throw a wrench in things. And obviously, people are working. Parents are working. They they have those complications. There are kids with special needs and and all sorts of various circumstances that make this just a really difficult situation. And I think, you know, everybody's trying to do the best that they can. Um, And as, as an educator, you know, I have a a special insight into how schools operate, how schools run. Um, But I do, I definitely have that um, parental investment too. I want to send my daughter into a a safe and and a quality education um, situation. Yeah. So I sent you a ton of questions and I want mm-hmm. you to, I want you to just go with them. Where, where should we start with this list that I sent you? Oh man, you know, <laughs> I think um, probably one of the biggest things that people um, are talking about is masks, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, we have these county mandates of, um, you know, that you have to wear masks in, in certain stores, um, and districts sort of vary in their guidelines. Um, most districts I know in my area have said, yes, you have to wear masks. 
Um, however, there are instances of exemptions dependent on age, dependent on um, the American Disabilities Act. So if you have a particular um, disability, that, that would exempt you from that. Um, and so it's, and, and the, the trouble and the sad thing is that the whole situation has been politicized, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, you can kind of see where people are politically by whether or not they wear a mask. Um, and that is the same for educators. Um, and when it comes down to are students going to wear masks or not, it's really going to come down to, first of all, the district's policy. And then second of all, the teachers and administrators in your child's school, um, you know, how well that's going to be enforced. Um, what are the disciplinary measures? If it's, if, um, you know, a student decides not to, to follow it, whether that's their own choice or maybe their parents' choice. Um, and, you know, a, a t- one teacher in uh, a school may not mind how a child interacts with their, their mask, whether they take it off or adjust it or whatnot. And another teacher who maybe has um, certain uh, comorbidities that they may be a stickler, you know, just, just like any other rule you might see in a, in a school or classroom. Yeah. Um, uh, the trouble obviously is, is that it can have an impact on people's health. And yeah. so um, I just hope people are, are trying to be understanding of others in their situation and, and that we can try to protect each other. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think it's just going to be really hard, especially in um, like junior high and high school when you're swapping classes. I mean, fifth and sixth graders will sometimes swap classrooms, but typically it's, you know, junior high and high school. If one teacher is going by one set of rules and then you're going to jump to the next teacher who's going to be real. That's going to be, that's, that's just, it's a lot. It's, and I don't know. I'd like to say it should just be across the board, but that's not realistic either because every, one of the things I'd asked you is what happens with like specials, PE, dance, um, orchestra. I mean, band, how are you going to blow into a clarinet with, with a mask on? Not going to work very well. (laughs) Well, and I think uh, what's sort of crazy, you know, we have um, schools that have already gone back into session, um, but some of these uh, organizations like uh, music uh, organizations and athletic associations, um, they're just releasing their guidelines as far as what is what is appropriate or what's going to work for those schools to operate. Um, you know, I was just talking to a drama teacher today and he's just like, you know, um, virtual learning doesn't work so well for drama. And I was just like, I hear you. It's, that's rough. Yeah. Um, and so there, it sort of shifts for them every day. Uh, you know, what their class is really going to look like in those particular areas. Um, and, you know, in, in my daughter's district for right now, at least they're going to be keeping those specials, um, music and PE, they're going to be keeping those virtual while they remain, um, you know, in their classrooms doing their other work. And so, mm-hmm. um, but other schools, they're, they're all entirely open. And so it really just depends. Um, and that's why I think a lot of uh, uh, parents and teachers are paying closer attention, more attention than ever on their district administrators and their governing board members who are making these decisions. Yeah. 
It's it really is because I think about it. There were a couple times right before Jordan would be doing a play, and they would encourage the parents to come in, but you'd see them do like the warm ups, and they're in a circle, and they're like la 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 to each other, and you're like, that is yeah. like right there, right, right in your face, or they'll do like you know they they play off of each other. And so there is, there's a lot of that physical contact. I did Mm -hmm. see though that on the news today that specifically my Mesa area, the schools are, they're ready for football. And I'm like, that's a lot of touching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't, you know, and like, uh, (laughs) as far as like school team sports go, that's Mm -hmm. like not my area of expertise. I don't know how you train without (laughs) Touching. Well, and it's um, interesting because they're not supposed to have been doing any of that. But every night I drive by the like local high school, which I will not name names, but I'll name names later. You drive by it and they're out there practicing. And I'm like, he just gave him a good game. That, that's like a literal <laughs> butt touch right there. <laughs> you can only imagine oh, what's yeah. happening with wrestling, like, or cheer yeah. or dance or just any of it. You're like, hmm, these and rules. And, and I think what's so hard is like, if you ask students today, what is it that they're missing about like schools? It's those things, right? It's the sports, it's the uh, arts, it's the, the elective programs that are usually more hands-on. And those are the things that they really, really miss about school, that and their friends. And it's, uh, it's going to be hard, you know, because I, I don't think people realize, at least in some areas, I, I certainly can't speak for all, but um, in some areas that school, once students come back in school and staff come back on campuses, that it's not going to look the same. You yeah. know, I was just uh, listening to um, my, my daughter's school. They had a, a sort of open house with the principal and uh, she was talking about what recess was going to look like. And you can't use the playground equipment. You can't share basketballs or soccer balls. And parents are like, well, what are kids supposed to do? And, and I'm like, I share your concern, but at the same time, like kids are creative, right? Like they'll, mm-hmm. they'll figure it out, but it's going to be hard. It's going to yeah. be hard for them to adjust to that new situation, new normal. You know, I really appreciate you saying that because I'm kind of, you are so like diplomatic and PC with this whole thing. And I'm over here like, <laughs> Let me tell you my opinion on how this is so blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that I have consistently, I don't want to say argued, but been very passionately disagreeing with people. How's that sound? Um, (laughs) Is they keep saying, my kid can't do online. My kid can't be in front of a computer screen for X amount of hours. My kid needs the social interaction. And I always turn to my kids and go, how many hours a day are you on your, your phone? How many hours a day are you on your tablet? How many hours a day? When you're in a group of your friends, how often are you guys really talking versus texting each other, sitting right next to each other, or liking each other's posts? But I think that that's actually a perspective that I didn't take, the the aspect of the specials and, and that hands-on, one-on-one. I guess even with science labs, those kids that really enjoy science, they aren't going to be measuring stuff in beakers or whatever. It's been a long time since I've been in high school. So I assume they still like catch stuff on fire and chop up frogs and whatever. No, (laughs) No, I think they do. Okay. Along those lines. Yes. (laughs) Something like that. But those kind of hands-on things you can't do anymore. So, um, 
Oh, go ahead. We, if you're okay with it, we're going to do a really quick break and get paid by some sponsors here. Sounds good. Hey guys, welcome back. We are still here talking with Rachel Kloss and we are talking about schools and how we were just talking about recess and how it's going to look elective style and it school is, it's going to look completely different. It's not going to be kids crowded in the halls anymore, but maybe that'll be good for like the PDA stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's funny, you know, uh, like we were talking about how, how often, um, kids are on their phones and that sort of thing. I mean, as a high school teacher, like that is, that is a constant battle to, to get kids to keep their phones away. It's by far the biggest, uh, interruption. Um, but yeah, like it, some of it I think is a good thing. We, uh, we really are taking the time to really reimagine what school can look like. And I honestly think that there's going to be some long-term impacts that are really going to be beneficial to everyone. I mean, my, my daughter is seven and we started with virtual learning and sure she could manage like an iPad with some apps and that sort of thing. And I would say she's pretty like technology literate, but like we were having to teach her how to navigate like a computer, a, a laptop and, you know, like the start menu and opening up a browser and, and all those sorts of things. And like, while the, the screen time is like, we try as parents to be like, okay, now that you're done with school, let's put screens away. Let's go do other things. Um, but she's becoming way more adept at, uh, those skills at a very early age that, mm-hmm. I mean, those are our 21st century skills that, that we want kids to have, like, sure, they're on their phones with texting and and apps, but like being able to navigate um, the uh, various browsers and like programs, like my daughter is using Canvas. I, I Mm. wasn't introduced to any sort of platform like that until I went to college. Yeah. And I'm learning how to take classes online. And she's going to be she has all of that exposure, all of that knowledge now um, that she'll be able to take with her through uh, through her school career. So a little side note, and my husband may actually cut this out of our conversation, but my um, vote for our president coming up here made a statement recently that one of the things that he thinks is really important is that our children are trained in these new um, ways of work. And even though the old ways of work are important, it's so important to learn the up and coming things and what have you. And it's interesting that our children are becoming incredibly adapted to proper use of the computer, not just Googling, oh, who's number one song this week or whatever else yuck is out there that kids have a tendency to know how to find now. They're actually learning how to type properly. They're having to use punctuation in their typing, which is something I don't do well. And I'm really shocked that you have never like wagged your finger at me about my inability to use proper um, punctuation <laughs> or spelling. Or <laughs> but they're, they're learning how to be grownups on a grown-up system, which I guess is, it's scary for me because yeah. I'm, I'm a worry wart like that and going, Oh, that's a lot of information for you to have at your fingertips, but it, yeah. it really is the purpose of, of electronics, in my opinion, is to be able to use it for education and, and to learn 
I, I don't know. I guess that's just a little side note on it. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. Like as a high school teacher, like I had students who didn't know how to type. They were still, you know, um, index finger sort of punching the keys. And like our our kids are going to have that exposure at a much earlier age about how to do that as a skill. Like yeah. what well, I think we forget that, that that's a skill, right? Yeah. That's, that's something you put on a resume when you're an entry level, um, you know, going into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Like you can type and you can type pretty quick. Like you can get an administrative job, you know? And right. so those are, those are really great skills that I think that we're teaching and that every single teacher is now being forced to reinforce those skills mm-hmm. um, where, you know, maybe some teachers, they didn't really think that that was necessarily something that they needed to, to promote. We're in a situation where it has to be done. Otherwise school and, you know, learning isn't happening. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And I do think that I, I love that you've made the statement that they adapt because I think that that's something that a lot of parents forget. Our children will adapt to anything that they're in good or bad. And I think that I, I mean, I want, I want perfect for my kids. I mean, they'll never have it with me as their mother, but I want (laughs) perfect for my kids, but they will, they're, they're going, they're going to be okay. Whatever the situation is, they're going to be okay. As long as the parents can, again, this is my opinion. So religion, according to Elizabeth, as long as the parents are supportive in this, as long as the parents are trying to keep a good outlook on this, they're going to be okay. It's going to work itself out. I feel. And I, I, you know, as a, as a parent and an educator, and I guess because of my experience as a teacher that I know the thing that has one of the biggest influences on the education that your child receives is if if your teachers are happy, if oh. your teacher, if your teachers enjoy what they do, then your kid is going to get a great experience. Um, and I think right now teachers are so exhausted. I, I know teachers across the state, um, they're working harder than ever, 11, 12 hour days. Um, it's not just, you know, plug a worksheet in on some sort of platform and that's it. It's learning new tools, learning new ways of teaching and, and realizing that they have to teach the skills, uh, the technology skills at the same time. And so anything that you can do to support your teachers, even just an email to say, Hey, thanks. Um, it goes so far as a, as a high school teacher. I think uh, we probably get that less than maybe elementary school teachers do. Um, and, and, you know, God bless them, our elementary school teachers. There's a reason I never taught, never taught small children, but, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it, it goes such a long way just to hear a thank you from, from a parent who, who knows that you're going out of your way to try to do something for their child, um, or for their students. So it's, it's, that's really, I think what, what I would like to see more of is, is just re- that reaching out and just saying, hey, thanks for all the work you're doing. We know you're doing your best with what you got. So is now a good time to plug Teacher Appreciation Week, like when you should <laughs> gift your teacher something? Sure. <laughs> I don't so, know when that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Teacher Appreciation Week is usually in May. Okay. And it also like corresponds with like three other professions that, (laughs) so it's like everybody appreciation week. 
Um, Isn't that uh, the truth, though? Doesn't that happen to teachers quite often that you're just lumped into some? Right. So uh, people always ask me, they're like, what do teachers like? And I say gift cards. I was going to say money. (laughs) Just give them some money. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, Target gift cards, uh, Mm -hmm. Starbucks gift cards, something to give themselves, uh, you know, a nice treat, something to treat themselves with. Uh, you know, gift cards to bookstores, that sort of thing. So an um, apple is not an appropriate gift anymore? Uh, not so much, <laughs> but I would take it as a, as a high school teacher. I'd probably take it. I'd probably, uh, you know, I'd enjoy it with my lunch. But um, other sorts of gifts, you know, people would like homemade goods or, or that sort of thing. But, um, you know, the any absolutely anything is appreciated. Any anytime somebody takes a little bit of time to say, hey, thanks, that's that goes such a long way. I think that that's, you know, an in general rule. But right now, specifically for our teachers, so important. Yeah, so important. Mm-hmm. So you kind of segued us and I'm grateful Perfect. for that. Well done. You're a pro at this. You really are. Um, <laughs> all right. So we talked about teachers and we talked about what they're kind of going through. So what's going to happen with compensation? They're learning all kinds of new skills. They're, they're frontline workers. I'm in the medical field. I've been trained to deal with this kind of chaos. I would be compensated according because of this kind of chaos. If I was working front lines in an ICU or in a hospital right now, or even a doctor's office, I would be looking at a pretty nice bonus this Christmas. Um, What's what's happening with our teachers? Are, I mean, what are your friends saying? Are you guys getting a stipend for masks and Lysol? And you got a you special know. cleaner coming in to take care of the classroom? Like, um, as far as like hazard pay or yeah. stipend or that sort of thing, um, I can't say I know a single district in Arizona who's providing that sort of thing. I think uh, uh, wow. districts back east um, are sort of making national headlines because they've ag- agreed to some of that. Um, That's awesome. Know, our- Come on, Arizona, <laughs> get with it. <laughs> um, I certainly think because uh, our some of our pay, depending on where you live in Arizona, um, is negotiated with like your teachers association. Um, and so I certainly hope that local teachers associations are, are taking that into consideration when they go into ne- budget negotiations next year. Um, what's also hard is that we are also in an economic downturn, um, and, uh, school districts are next year, they're going to be facing some serious, serious cuts. Um, and it's, it's awful. So, and this is where the politics comes into it again. Yeah. yeah, So this is where you would probably say, I encourage you to go out and vote. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I don't think people realize like, absolutely. I think, um, Teachers should remain apolitical in the the classroom as much as they can um, in regards to what they teach their students. Um, As a government and a history teacher, it's always my goal to teach multiple perspectives on arguments. Uh, Students always want to know, you know, what my political party is or what my religion is or what my certain perspective is on something. My response to them for the last six years has always been the same. It says my my opinion doesn't matter. My, my opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion is what matters. I'm going to provide you with some information. I'm going to help you sort of think through those resources. Um, and you have to come to your own conclusions. But outside of, of that, uh, education is unfortunately very political um, when it comes to how we fund schools, uh, school policies, 
um, regards to discipline, regards to curriculum. Um, man, if we could keep the politics 100% out of it, and uh, I think that would be a dream. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the case, especially here in Arizona. Um, you know, we our our teachers and our administrators they try to do a lot with not enough, mm-hmm. and um, they are magicians in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pulling rabbits out of hats here and there um, to to make great things out of what they have, um, but they absolutely deserve more. Um, as, as a teacher, you know, the things that I experienced and I, I taught in, uh, as you said, Tempe and, um, the school that I taught at was the, or the building that I taught at or taught in was about 20 years old. Um, but you know, we had leaks and we had problems with, um, you know, insects and other pests. Um, there was a couple of years ago, I don't know if people remember, we had like a really, good spring in which there were bees everywhere. Um, I had bees in my ceiling, (laughs) Uh, you know, and. And then they um, followed you to your new house, didn't they? Exactly. (laughs) I had bees at my house, Um, you know, and like old textbooks. And, and when, when we're talking about the pandemic and schools, um, we can't uh, not talk about the fact that we have a huge equity problem in our schools as it is. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic sort of shines a light on those issues because I mean, when we talk about sharing equipment, right. Um, in, in areas that are more low income, um, I don't know if people realize, but our taxes, right. They're, they're what pay for our schools. Um, and some of what pays for our schools is property taxes. Okay. So if you live in a low income area, you're not going to you, have anything, right. Your property taxes are a lot, lot lower. And so those schools get a lot less. Um, and, and that so doesn't get don't... like worked out. Someone doesn't go, Hey, this group of people isn't going to get as much as the other. Like, isn't that part of the no child left behind thing? Like, okay, here's the, the dummy part of it. Like, I'm just like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Take away you know? from the big, whatever bougie school and give a little, I mean, the school funding models are in. Uh, so incredibly complicated. You get money from the federal government, which is like Congress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in DC, and then you get money from the state, which is, you know, here in Arizona, that's downtown Phoenix, the, the state legislature. And then you have local monies that are like uh, unique to your, your school district or your city. Um, and so all oh of goodness. these various pots of money are divvied up in a, in a number of complicated ways. Um, and all of that is based off of like the economy and based off of incoming revenue um, from taxes. So um, when we cut certain taxes, um, that results in, in less money for schools. Um, and so uh, when you have these low income schools that have less money, um, they don't have the money to spend on microscopes um, that schools in high income areas do. And so higher income schools are, are possibly going to be able to use microscopes in their science classes because they have um, more money available to, you know, provide a class set um, rather than the sharing that has to occur in maybe low income schools. Um, and so the pandemic really is, sh- is shining a light on that um, uh, at a disproportionate rate. 
Well, I don't, I don't know about you, but this just uh, sparked like 12 more shows that we could do. I just want you to know that because <laughs> I've got so many opinions and questions and thoughts and oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to com- do a combo of questions here. What's going to happen to our sure. teachers if they get sick? What is going to happen with the subs? If teachers decide that they're not doing this, what, what's, I'm giving you all the hard questions now, Rachel, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> So I think as far as, as teachers getting sick, um, you know, they'll be put on quarantine. There's a lot of, of questions and that varies by district in terms of who has to quarantine, um, you know, whether or not you have a fever, how long have you had the fever? Have you gotten a COVID test? Have you not gotten a COVID test? Um, do you have a negative test? Um, how long have you had? I, there's so many questions and they all vary by district. Um, but so again, no rule, no, Hey, this is what's up. And let's, let's not even talk about the fact that if you get a second strain of this, it's not going to pop up on the COVID test that we currently have going. It's going to show oh, differently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so oh my all of those other complications, right. Um, there is money in the cares act, um, okay. that, that gives, uh, you know, approximately two weeks, of, uh, of sick pay. So you don't have to take your own sick pay at that point. But once you use up that two weeks, you're going to be taking your own sick pay if you have it. Okay. So here's the rabbit hole. Two weeks uh-huh. for you. Rachel Clausen is sick. You've got two yeah. weeks, but now your husband's sick. Yeah. And now your kids are sick. Yeah. So who's hooking you up with the money because you brought that home? Like this is, this is where I start getting nutso or you've got your mom living with you because she had to have surgery and now she's sick and just had surgery and who's. Yeah. That, so... Those are all really big questions. And that's why so many teachers that I know who, who care for, for people who have compromised immune systems, they say they can't teach in the classroom this year. I have a good friend who she, she has a son with special needs Um, and she said, I can't take the risk of coming back earlier than I think is safe. Um, and so I'm going to have to teach online this whole school year. And she was pretty broken up about it because it's a huge decision to make as a teacher. Like think about in your career, whatever your career is, and you spend all these years building up these skills and, you know, halfway through your career, really not by choice, you're sort of flipping that on its head. And yes, you're still doing a job that's sort of similar, but it's still entirely different. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's really hard, you know, um, people don't realize the amount of time spent going into the creation of lesson plans. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the sub situation. If oh, they all go yeah. back in. You know, I have heard from several um, like district level administrators throughout the state who are really concerned about staffing because we already have a sub shortage in this state, um, which is why you may have seen a lot of people encouraging um, you to go get your sub certificate um, so that you can you can sub out for for teachers that have to quarantine themselves or they have to take care of family that gets sick. Um, and you know, a huge problem is so many of our subs are like retired teachers or they're retired from other professions. So a lot of them are elderly to begin with. Um, and so that's going to be a huge issue. Staffing is going to be a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people understand that like 
your school may not have to shut back down because of the amount of cases in your school, but simply because there is not the staff to run it. Yeah. Uh, That, yeah. And that sort of goes back to the funding thing, which we should definitely spend an episode or two talking about, but subs don't get paid all that well, you know? And so, um, and it's a difficult job. I mean, we have the stereotype of like what happens, well, what students do to a particular sub. And actually, before I started full-time teaching, I was a substitute teacher. And uh, it's definitely not something that I would go back to if I had the preference, if I had my preference. But certainly there's people who love doing it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a major issue as as cases sort of surge and and go back down. And yeah, my hands are literally in the air. They're around all of the teachers. Okay. I have, I have two more for you. More serious ones though. Okay. Okay. It's going to be hard. So if you don't, if you don't want it, we can, we can cut it. Joey is telling me we got to close soon, but I do think that this is a very important two-part question. Okay. Okay. Number one, if you were teaching, would you feel safe? Mm -hmm. Second part of that, is for those of us that, because we share similar opinions on some of these subjects here, mm-hmm. how do you help others to communicate it in a peaceful way? How do you not be disrespectful to someone that's like, open it all up right now? How mm-hmm. do you, how do you do that, that diplomatic thing? Teach us. Yeah. It's, it is hard because I have so much sympathy for for parents, I have so much sympathy for students. Um, you know, I taught at a school. I had I had sent an email recently to a governing board member, and um, she had responded with you know some with some questions that she had. She's like, you know, I'm just I'm really concerned about our our most high need students. And as a teacher, I absolutely sympathize. You know, I have had the unfortunate um, instance where I have had to contact Child Protective Services and I have had to contact police and I have talked to students who had made the decision to emancipate themselves from their parents. And it's Mm. we know as teachers, we know it's hard. We we know our students are suffering. Everyone's suffering to varying degrees. Um, would I choose to teach right now? If, if my school was opening up next week, you know, I, as far as like my own health and my family's health, I would probably remain as an online teacher for now. Um, just because I, I have questions that I don't think some people are really taking the time to answer, you know, I, what does school look like? What does safe look like? I think that's a, such a good question people are asking, but what does that look like in my classroom? You know, I, I teach high schoolers and they're not the cleanest individuals They're and, and they're not even like six-year-olds, you know, like they're still learning good. They're still learning good hygiene and yeah. that's okay. We, we understand that as teachers, but we also know that like, where we are right now, that that is now also a health risk. Yeah. Um, as far as how do we sort of bridge the gap between, between these groups of people, I really think it has to start with talking to each other, um, which is hard because of the situation that we're in. Um, 
And so not yelling, talking. <laughs> yeah. And, and really trying to, you know, listen to understand. And because um, we we know that it's we know that it's hard, but it's hard for everyone in different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and we we all want to do what is right by Arizona's kids um, as teachers. I mean, that's why we're in it. We're in it. I'm, clearly, we're not in it for the pay. Clearly, we're not in it for the fame or the appreciation. Like, um, those are not reasons that teachers stay. Um, we stay because we really enjoy working with young people, and we're all we're all on that same side. But we just need to have a conversation with each other to talk about this is what my experience tells me. And these are the questions that I have. How can we work together to, to really get the things that we need? Um, and I really think we need to invest in our schools. Our, when it comes to the, the lack of funding, um, some schools are just going to be at a severe disadvantage when it comes to the safety and health uh, of them and their students. Um, especially, and we know that the um, virus um, has hurt um, black and brown communities way more than others. And as a result, like we need to do more to invest in those schools and those infrastructures that can help uh, people not only with their health, but I mean, we all know now that schools are like the backbone of the community, right? Absolutely. Like the pandemic has taught us that. Um, and so it really tells us like, how, how much do we value? How much do we value this institution? And um, I hope that we can realize that clearly we're all in this for our children. And if we're in this for our children, what are we doing for the people who are who are responsible for them um, in the schools to help keep everybody safe? Absolutely. Rachel, you're amazing. You you really are. <laughs> I wanted to get into your trail running and all of the other amazing things you do. I just I think that that's such an amazing place to end on. I just yeah. I really I really appreciate your your incentive, not incentive, your insight. Um mm-hmm. And your ability to just be very real about it, but in such a respectful manner. I'm not good like that. If I was in your class, I'd be like, and this is who you vote for. And this is why. Because I text Rachel last night and she told me. <laughs> well, I think anybody who knows me knows I have strong opinions. But Absolutely. when it comes to, to educating people, I think people need to... Uh, you, I mean, especially young people, uh, I, they need to make their own decisions. And um, I mean, that's that's what social studies is for. People say, like, why do we teach history? And it's like, this is why. So that we can learn how to be good citizens and treat each mm-hmm. other with respect and be able to have these kinds of conversations. Absolutely. Rachel, you are my favorite guest right now. Like, <laughs> we seriously need to do this way more often. Um, well, I might be available. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, we should do a poll on, on one of our social media sites, Joey, and, and see who all wants Rachel on more often. Um, hey, I really, really do appreciate you taking the time tonight. I know that you've got a busy schedule, like, like all of us, but I know yours is really busy right now. Um, 
I really am. I'm in awe of you. I just think you're amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for so much for having me on. It's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is our show for tonight. Um, Thank you for being with us, people out in podcast land. Joey has a much better closing statement than I do. I'm very new at this, so I'm just going to ramble on until he hits the off button. Rachel, do you have any um, sources that you want us, that you want people to go to? Is there places that they can volunteer or can help or vote or any of that plugging stuff? You know what's funny is plug away. I think the most important thing people need to do right now is to check their voter registration. Um, I mean, we should we should do an episode just on how to get involved in the election, because I I think that would be (laughs) that would be great information. But yeah, me too. Check your 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 voter registration. Um, Let's see. I don't even know how the the uh, website at the top of my head, but I do. uh, I can get it for you right here. Perfect. Um, Just to make sure you're registered, especially like if you didn't register uh, or you didn't vote in the primary you want to make sure that you're all set up and ready to go so that you don't have to worry about it. Um, especially if you're like, Hey, I want to mail my ballot in or, or hand it in. And then that way I don't have to worry about going there on election day. Um, you can also select that beyond the permanent early voter list. Um, so make sure you are, have that all done. Absolutely. So that site that you can go to is recorder.maricopa.gov. Obviously, if you are not in Maricopa County, it'll change up, but that's what it is for Maricopa County. Again, it was recorder.maricopa.gov. Awesome. Awesome. All right. That's our our show for tonight. Thank you again for for being with us. Yeah, thanks. All right. He says we're done. Shaking so glad you couldn't make it the Elizabeth and Rachel show. Time for the ride. You're welcome inside the Elizabeth and Rachel show. Great show today. So glad you pressed play the Elizabeth and Rachel show. The show's gonna start. It's cool you took part. The Elizabeth and Rachel show. The Elizabeth and Rachel show. Elizabeth and Rachel show.